Let's turn again just for a little to the chapter we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and looking at verse 16. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Now in Paul's day, as we know, there were many, many public speakers. It was a day where there were great orators, people with tremendous intellect and tremendous gifts of being able to communicate thought. And uh, it was a day where the marketplace and the streets in many of the major cities were full of people. or There were many people going around and they were uh, talking and uh, making great speeches and people with tremendous abilities and a lot of self-confidence. And that would have been the kind of environment that Paul arrived when he came into Corinth. Now, as we know, Corinth was, uh, Corinth was quite an incredible city at that time. It was a very vibrant city. You know, sometimes when you go to cities, maybe if you go on holiday to a city, or if you've been living in a city for a while, it doesn't take long to work out, uh, in a sense, the feel of a city. Some cities have a, a vibrancy about them. You almost feel it on the street. It's almost like a beat on the street. There are other cities that sometimes you can almost feel a a sense of threatening. There are other cities you go to and you feel kind of dead. You you feel that there isn't really a, there isn't much of an atmosphere in the city. Cities have different feels about them. And again, it might have a lot to do with an individual because you'll find one person will extol the virtues of one city and another will say, oh no, this other city is better. But Corinth... um, was certainly a city of vibrancy. It was also a very corrupt city, and it was a city where, you, you, you know the saying, anything went. You could do whatever you wanted in Corinth. It was a very corrupt, it was a very immoral city, and uh, it was the kind of city where there was a license really to do anything. So it was into this city that uh, the Apostle Paul came. And... Paul, at a human level, was going to have to try and compete with a lot of these tremendous philosophers and orators. Because, as we know, some of these people at that particular time were extraordinarily gifted. So, from a human point of view, Paul was definitely on a loser. Because Paul himself will say that he couldn't match the oratory or the great skills that some of these people had. He was very conscious of that. And in fact, Paul, in his, earlier on in his letter, he tells the Corinthians that he didn't come with lofty words. He didn't come with enticing speech. In other words, he wasn't coming and uh, playing, as it were, to a gallery, because it could be very easy to go and sort of st- try to manipulate people. Because there are some people who are, if they're born orators, they have the abil- ability to really sway a crowd. They're able by their speech and they're able to manipulate people to the point that they have people in the, almost in the palm of their hand. Well, the Apostle Paul wasn't like that and he wasn't even trying to be like that. Because as he says, I didn't come with lofty speech. I didn't come with enticing words. 
I didn't need tells us all these things earlier on. So the Apostle Paul comes into Corinth uh, just very simply proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, the thing is that the Apostle wasn't only up against it from a human point of view with regard to all the great orators of the day, but he was up against it with regard to the church in Corinth because the Apostle's ministry, as he began to minister in Corinth, uh, was very fruitful and people were being converted. But unfortunately, although it was a church the, because they were, they were very gifted people in Corinth, but as we know, one of the things that was sadly lacking in them was love. That's why we have Paul's great uh, thesis, as it were, on love in chapter 13 where he's telling what love is and what love isn't. Because they were the kind of people they used to... They were, they were, their attitude towards one another was, was, was not Christ-like, lacking in love. But they were very gifted. But they were very critical people. And they were critical of the Apostle Paul. And Paul was always having to defend his apostolic ministry. And Paul was so uh, passionate about the gospel that we find that Paul was always having to put himself out for the sake of the gospel. And that's why Paul, in this chapter, is saying, look, in order that I will not put any hindrance or any obstacle in the way of the gospel, I'm not even going to take what I'm due. I'm not even going to take what is my right. And I will become all things to all people in order that I may win your souls for Jesus Christ. Paul was really quite an extraordinary man. He, ju- he, was, he was tunnel vision as far as the gospel was concerned. He saw people as souls that were lost. And you know that's something that it's very easy to lose. When we look out at people, do we see them as people who have never dying souls? Jesus was like that. We often read of how when he saw the crowds, he saw them like sheep without a shepherd. It tells us quite often about Jesus that he was moved with compassion towards the crowds. Because he, he saw their need, he saw them. That's why he wept over Jerusalem as they rejected him. Because he had so much heart for souls. Well, the Apostle Paul had something of the heart of Jesus. Because he saw people He saw their need. He saw their helplessness. He saw their future without a a saviour. And so he had this burning passion to reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And so he was prepared to put himself out. And the few times that Paul gives his personal testimony along the way, we read something of just how he suffered for the gospel. He was shipwrecked. He was imprisoned. He was beaten up often. He wasn't just beaten up. He was stoned and left for dead. That's that's what he was suffering. Always for the sake of the gospel. In fact when Jesus called him into. Remember when Jesus met him on the road to Damascus. The risen Christ. And Jesus said that he was going to suffer. An awful lot for the sake of the gospel. And that's exactly what the apostle did. But he had this burning passion to preach. And there, so Paul makes this great statement. 
uh, where he says, For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. <clears throat> now, Paul here says, If I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. Paul, if any person had a, I suppose, could boast about his work. If Paul at the end of the day said, you know, sit down till I tell you what I've done. Well, Paul never did that. Paul, we, we read what has happened in various things. When we go through the Acts of the Apostles, we get a history of uh, Paul's missionary journeys and some of the tremendous success that he had in his labor. And Paul hints at what he's done, but at no point does he ever, ever boast. See, Paul forbids boasting. <clears throat> now, some people, some people are bad for boasting. Now, there's a big difference between telling something and boasting about something. You know, two people can, can give the same information. And you know straight away that one is just telling you something. And that there's no boasting in it. Whereas another can tell you the exact same thing and you know that they are boasting. Well, Paul says that with regard to the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, whatever you do, do not boast. And in fact, at another place he says, if you're going to boast, boast in the Lord. And that was one thing Paul was really, really good at doing, was boasting in Jesus Christ. He was always telling people about Christ. You know, if you, if you really are passionate about a particular thing or a particular person, you will boast about them. You will, you will want to tell people about them or about this sort of thing. Well, that's how Paul was with Jesus Christ. He wanted to tell people about Jesus' love and his mercy and his grace. And he wanted to tell people of his, him as a saviour, of how he was able to deliver, of his justice, how, how true that he's a way, the truth and the life. Paul couldn't stop boasting about Jesus. Remember how he said elsewhere that he was determined not to boast in anything but in the cross of the, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is why it is so important that we heed Paul's words, that we don't boast, and particularly in the work of the gospel. Not just in preaching, but in any work that we are involved in, in the gospel, we must never, ever, ever seek to take the glory to ourselves. God is a jealous God, and he does not want his glory given to another. And it is one of the things that we must always, always guard against. So Paul says, I do not boast. And again, there are various reasons why. Supposing we just take it in its simplest form in preaching, but not just in preaching, in anything. In witnessing, supposing you're working, teaching or in the Sunday school or amongst the youth work. Or, it doesn't matter at what level or what you're doing. There is no room for boasting. And there are various reasons why. First of all, you're very conscious in whatever you're doing for the Lord of your own failings, your own shortcomings, your own weaknesses. And sometimes it's a very difficult thing to preach. Because as you preach the truth, you yourself are so convicted of what you're saying. I preach to myself as much as I preach to any one of you. 
Because you become so aware. and when, You know when the truth is presented to you. The truth always challenges us. And forces us to focus and to see right where am I in relation to this truth. Do I match up to it or am I failing? And so there is this awareness in preaching or in any work that you're doing of how far short you come from where God demands you to be. So that straight away knocks away this whole area of boasting. Again, there is the awareness that in whatever work that you're doing for the Lord, whatever abilities that you have in it, whatever you have has been given to you by the Lord. What do we have? Think about it. This is what the Bible says. What do you have that you have not received? Because whatever gifts or whatever abilities that you have, that's exactly what they are. They're gifts. They've been given to you by the Lord. It's not something that you all of a sudden say, well, you know, this, I, this, is, this is me. I, nobody else has done this in me but me, my, me myself. No. And you, you find that, and quite often you will, you, you, will, you will see that, even in the world of sports, sometimes you will, you will see a great athlete, a great footballer, sometimes say, you know, it's a gift. I've, been, I've heard quite often people say, they were blessed. There, this recognition that what the, the talent that they have, yes, they, they train, they work, they develop it, and so we do in all the different ways. But the, the starting line, the bottom line is, it's a gift, it's been given. So that's why Paul says, you can't boast in a gift. You can't take honor to yourself if you've been given something. And God bestows gifts on all his people. You have gifts. And you've been given these gifts for the good of others. Not just for yourself, but for the good of others. That's what, what the Lord wants his church to be built up and strengthened by one another so that we're all involved. And whether it's sometimes it's even just the warmth of a welcome. That can be a powerful thing. Just welcoming someone in a real, genuine, honest way. That can have a huge impact upon people. Well, you do it because you love people. Because you're a Christian and you have a love for people. All these things. So there's all the gifts that people are given, they're from the Lord. So Paul is saying, look, you can't boast. And again, uh, with regard to the Lord's work, we are always dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit. Because if the Holy Spirit isn't present, if the Holy Spirit isn't working, then nothing is going to happen. We, we simply pray that we will be channels that the Lord will use and that His Holy Spirit will apply whatever we do for the good of other souls. And so Paul was always, always uh, aware of this because earlier on in chapter 2 this is what he said my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so Paul was saying I was up against all these orators and all these people with the, these tremendous talents and people who were able to manipulate others and pull them aside and take them in and they would become their leaders that wasn't my aim I was there simply 
in, in, in with, with a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And that word demonstration means legal proof that's presented in court. And what was happening is legal, this proof, it's a, it's a great word, the demonstration of the power of the Spirit. Because what happens is there is proof. Where is the proof that this is of God? It is in changed lives where people's lives are changed. And all of you in here today who have begun to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, whether it's a month ago or a year ago or 10 years ago or 30 years ago or 50 years ago, doesn't matter how long, you remember that your life was changed. Because think something happened in your life. Because the Lord came into your life and changed your way of thinking, changed your attitude, changed your goal. You saw life differently. In many ways, yes, life is still the same. But Jesus becomes the center of your life. You see things in a totally different way. You, depend, you learn to depend upon the Lord Jesus. You have a, a love for him that wasn't there before. You, you, you know why you're here. You know where you're going. Your life changed. It was real. It was proof. That is a proof. And that you have continued to follow him is a proof of his work within you. And that's a great thing about the gospel. It is real. That's why Paul, when he had the Holy Spirit working with him, knew that when lives were affected and touched by the Holy Spirit, these lives would be changed forever. We live in a day where so often we don't know what is true and what is not. We, you just look at the very situation we're in just now with the whole area of Brexit, and we hear, we, we've been hearing and are hearing so many people speak. And people can be so powerful and plausible and you say, well, that, that makes sense. And then somebody, oh, that makes sense. But the thing is, sometimes sometimes people can be 100% genuine, but sometimes people are out, they have their own particular agendas. Sometimes it's all about power struggles. And very often there's, you, you're saying, you're, I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what's true. And that's, you find that so often in so many different areas of life. But this is the beauty of the gospel that there is no deception. There are no hidden agendas. There's no trying to trick people. It is as honest as can be. This is it. And Jesus is saying through his gospel, I want the best for you. And I guarantee you, if you come with me, your life, although I'm not saying it's not going to be, you're not going to have troubles and problems in this life, but I've overcome this world and I have won everything for you. And I will give you what this world can never ever give you. And I will then at the end of it take you to be with myself forever. I will do you good. Jesus guarantees that. And so that's why the apostle was able to proclaim this with this great passion. And that is why we have this proof of the, the power of the Holy Spirit uh, working within people's lives. And this same Jesus, this same Jesus is able 
to change your life. And that's why Paul says, I preach the gospel. But then he adds, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. And the gospel, of course, is, as he said earlier on, Jesus Christ and him crucified. That was Paul's message wherever he went, was the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is always, every Lord's Day when you come here, that will always be the message, is the word of God. When we talk about Jesus Christ and him crucified, that takes in the whole message of what this gospel is. And that is why it is so important that we are absolutely faithful to the word. I must never come here with my own ideas or my own impressions or my own agendas and say, well, you know, I'm going to, this is what I'm going to preach today. We always just say, right, this is the word of God. And we try to proclaim that word in our way and ask that the Lord, say to the Lord, Lord, take this word and apply it to everybody's heart, wherever we're at. And you know, this is the amazing thing about God's word. It doesn't matter where you are at. And everybody in here, you're at different places in life, different things. Some of you might be having going through horrendous struggles of mind, of body, within family, work. We don't know. And maybe nobody knows it but you. Other people might be, everything might be going really well for you just now. We get, there are so many different extremes. But the wonderful thing is that the word of God is always suitable for wherever we are. Because God is a personal God. And the Lord deals intimately and personally with each one of us. And that is why sometimes it's just an avesh that we read or sing. Or sometimes it's something in the reading or something in the preaching. And you say, well, that, that was good. And you go and you say, that, well, that, that did me good. You might forget the rest of it, but there's something. And that's what we really want, is that everybody, every day, will get a portion, will get their portion, will get what is good for their soul, something that will encourage them, strengthen them, guide them, rebuke them. Because sometimes we need rebuking, challenging us, exhorting us, encouraging us. And so it's important that we preach the whole counsel of God. And so the, the church, of course mustn't be sidetracked from that and of course the devil will always want us to sidetrack the church from being a faithful witness within the community so Paul is preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified Jesus now as we know the, the name uh, Jesus uh, is remember how Mary and Joseph weren't given they weren't allowed to choose the name for the baby themselves that name was given by the angel. You shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he shall save his people from their sins. And Christ, of course, is, is the anointed one. Uh, a name, the name was very important to, to, the, to the Jew. Uh, because the name, a name very often was indicating the person, the character, something. Like, for instance, Moses Moses was called Moses because Moses comes from to draw out. And remember how Moses was drawn out of the water. It's the same with Samuel. Samuel, God has heard. Remember how Hannah was praying and praying, praying for a son. And God heard her prayer and answered and gave her little Samuel. 
And so that's why he was called Samuel. God has heard. So the name is important. Jesus is a transliteration of the Hebrew Joshua, which means Jehovah is salvation. So this is why, why Paul was always preaching. Jesus, who shall save the Savior, the Anointed One, the Messiah, the Son of God. And that is at the very heart. And it was Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul didn't spend his time preaching about Jesus' teaching, although nobody ever taught like Jesus. And don't get me wrong, we have to listen to Jesus' teaching. When I talk about his teaching, the teaching that we find in the gospel, because all the word of God is Jesus' is, is, is is Jesus's word. But we mean specifically that his teachings that we find in the gospel. Paul didn't spend all his time on that, although nobody taught with the authority, with the power, with the influence that Jesus taught with. Neither did Paul home in on Jesus' example of his life. Although that is also very important because we're told in the Bible to look at the example that Jesus left us and to seek to follow him. We're told these things. But Paul focused in on the main thrust of why Jesus came into this world. And he came in order to die. And it's quite remarkable because so many, that's a thing that people dismiss. So many people have, they know the historical fact that Jesus lived in this world. They know the historical fact that Jesus died. And they say to themselves, at the age of 33, he died with his dreams. So many people have looked on Christianity as a failure. Because they say, why follow somebody who only, yeah, he taught wonderful truths. But he was gone. By the age of 33. And sometimes people actually. Some great. Uh, people. That, although he's, he's gone back on that. Ted Turner. The, the great news mogul. He once said that Christianity was for losers. Although he has since. Uh, said that he didn't, doesn't agree with that any longer. But. That, that's the way he looked on it. That, uh, that following somebody. Who, who, who as far as he could see. Was a loser. He had dreams, taught and lost, died on the cross. But what Paul was teaching is, yes, Jesus, he deliberately died on the cross. He went there as our sin bearer. He took upon himself what we couldn't deal with. God's love for us was so great, he sent his son and he said to his son, right, I want you to go into the world and to represent my people and I want you, this is going to be terrible for you, my son, But I want you to give your life as a sacrifice. Because I'm going to pour out the wrath and the punishment that is due for sin. I'm going to pour out my judgment upon you. Yes, my beloved son, I'm going to do it to you. Because I love all these people. And I want to save all these people. And because I am a holy, just, pure God, I can't just dismiss sin. It has to be dealt with. And it can only be dealt with either on the individual themselves or on somebody who will stand in their place. And you, my sons, the only person who can do that. And Jesus said, To do your will, I take delight. 
And that's why he came into this world. And that's why he died on the cross. And in dying on the cross and rising from the dead, he defeated death. He defeated the power of sin, the consequences of sin, the guilt of sin, the punishment of sin. It's all laid upon him, done away with. And he rose triumphant over death, over the grave, over hell, over everything. And that's the message that Paul couldn't stop preaching. And it's still the message that we need to, d- to hear today. It's the greatest message in this whole wide world. Have you today, although you know this, I'm sure every single one of you in here today, if somebody said, or said to you in the words of the Philippian jailer, you know, what, what, what must I do to be saved? You'd be able to repeat that very well. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. I'm sure every person in here today knows that. question is, have you actually believed for yourself? You're able to tell people, but have you personally believed? If not, ask Jesus today, Lord Jesus, help me to believe in you. I need you. Let's pray. Lord, we pray to bless us. We give thanks for your goodness, grace, mercy towards us. And we pray that you will help us to see you as a great Savior, to see the great sacrifice for sin, to see that it's personal, that it's there for us, it's available for us today. And we pray for any today who still might be outside the kingdom that they will, O Lord, reach out to them and may they reach to you and that they may close in with you as Savior, even now. We pray, Lord, that you will hear our prayers and that you will bless us. Bless the cup of tea, coffee in the hall afterwards and take every single one of us home safely. Do us good, we pray, for giving sin in Jesus' name. Amen. We conclude our service singing from uh, Psalm 46, 46a. Psalm 46a. And that's on page 60. And the tune is Bays of Harris, Psalm 46a, verse 8. Come see the works the Lord has done, the judgments he commands, the desolations he has brought to pass in many lands. In every land throughout the earth he makes all conflict cease. He shatters bow and spear and shield and brings his reign of peace. Be still and know that I am God, on earth exalted high, and all the nations of the world my name will glorify. The Lord Almighty is with me to strengthen and sustain, for Jacob's God our strong defense and fortress will remain. 46a on page 60. Verses 8 to the end and the tune is Bays of Harris. Come see the works the Lord has done. Come see the works the Lord has done.
mercy and peace of God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit rest and abide upon each one of you now and forevermore. Amen. <laughs>